0: Thank you for listening to the Move the Stairs podcast. I'm Diane Mulligan with my colleagues, Sarah Beatty and Jordan Sherman.
1: And you may be wondering, what does Move the Stairs mean? It's our philosophy. How we look at every challenge as an opportunity. When you move the stairs, you take the
0: steps other people might not. Creating customer loyalty, nurturing great relationships with the media, and building a resilient CBD, hemp, and medical marijuana brand. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we'll talk with the brightest minds,
2: the savviest business leaders and reporters in the CBD, hemp, and medical marijuana space.
1: You'll learn how Brand Protection PR can help your CBD, hemp, or medical marijuana business stand head and shoulders above your competitors.
0: And you'll be on your way to making the most of any challenge. That's what we call Move the Stairs. Let's get started. All right. Well, welcome to
2: Move the Stairs, Episode 69, Jordan. We are recording on Thursday, July 14th. Somehow we're in the middle of July 2022. And we're so happy that you're joining us for today's exciting conversation.
1: Yeah, we've got a great guest on tap today. We have Bart Shaneman, an editor with the MJ Biz Daily. He's going to be here to talk with us more about a recent article he wrote examining how a forecast United States recession may impact the cannabis industry as a whole. And, you know, this is important, Sarah, because the first pillar of brand protection PR, as we know, is customer loyalty. And a key piece that Bart outlined in his article is how that may potentially factor into businesses staying afloat or potentially not during this difficult time.
2: Yeah, so it'll be fascinating to get into that. And of course, the second piece of brand protection is um, media. Um, insider media relations. And we know that having a really strong media outreach strategy is something that you should have anyway for your hemp or CBD, your medical marijuana business when the going is good. So we're excited to ask Bart how brands can continue to feature in meaningful news coverage ahead of and even during a recession and talk about what a powerful media strategy looks like. During challenging times.
1: Yeah, and then finally, our third component of brand protection PR, um, looking at brand resiliency, and this is going to be the first um, real recession that cannabis brands deal with. Of course, we had COVID nineteen in twenty twenty, um, but that was a pandemic driven recession. So Yeah, we're I feel going like you got to
2: gotta, like pull that one out <laughs> of the <laughs> right out of the hopper.
1: Right. I mean. Um, Because, you know, no component of marijuana was legal during our actual last um, economic recession. So um, we're going to pick Bart's brain and see if he's got any insight to share on if this is going to be um, a state by state basis. um, If we're going to see recreational versus medical marijuana suffer more consequences from the recession. So um, it's going to be a great conversation.
2: All right. So let's bring Bart in. Bart Shaneman, how are you this afternoon? Appreciate you joining
3: us. I'm good. Thanks for having me.
2: Well, we have so many questions for you, Um, but first, can you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself and how long you've been editor uh, at Marijuana um, Biz Daily, MJ Biz Daily?
3: Yeah, so I guess it's important for me to note that I am not the editor. I am a editor at MJ Biz Daily. Um, We have several... Editors and yeah, I don't I've been want your the-
1: editor in chief to listen to this podcast and say, "Hey, dude, you you try hey, to take a my job?" <laughs> no, <right. laughs> gave myself a promotion. Yeah, love it. Right. Um, no, so I've been with the company
3: since uh, October of 2016, so almost six years now, and uh, specializing primarily on uh, cultivation and extraction reporting, but also, right, yeah, like you guys have mentioned, uh, some more kind of macro level uh, pieces where I just kind of analyze trends in the industry and, and, you know, take kind of a little bit of a, a 30,000 foot view on, on certain things.
2: Oh man, he just said some of my favorite words, 30,000 foot view. That's kind of, (laughs) it's kind of what I love to do is, is, uh, really take a couple of different levels of, of, uh, of, uh, analysis at different things. So hopefully that's what we're going to do in today's conversation.
1: Yeah. And in, you know, today's topic in particular, too, because, you know, Bart, as you so eloquently pointed out in your article, um, this is uncharted waters. I mean, we haven't dealt with this before because cannabis industry being as new as it is, um, COVID-19, 2020, and that economic downturn was really our first um, kind of experience with that. And as we saw in Denver, um, (laughs) it didn't take long for dispensaries to become essential, especially as people were lining up around the block. I'll never forget that day. Um, you know, them launching the news helicopter and just literally seeing lines of people um, off to get their uh, stuff before the dispensaries close. But I digress. I want to get right into the uh, conversation here with you, Bart. Um, And starting with part one in customer loyalty, um, there are so many different companies that people can choose from, especially when it comes to medical marijuana. Um, This could play a significant role um, in, in difficult times like a recession. So you've been writing about the cannabis industry for a long time and your experience, you know, interviewing all the experts that you've talked to, how important is customer loyalty when it comes to, um, facing something such as economic hardship? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean,
3: one of the things that we saw, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, when, uh, tourism kind of shut down was, Mm -hmm. you know, I was talking to retailers and, and growers and asking them how they were doing. And, you know, a lot of them were saying, well, yeah, we might not get the tourists coming in that we normally would have because people can't travel, but we still get all the local customers. You know, we still get all the people that are, you know, in the neighborhood. Um, and I think that's really true. I think throughout the industry that I that that you shop at the dispensary that's closest to you typically. Um, so yeah, so so those those customer loyalty programs, um, you know, point systems, incentives for people to come and shop and to, um, you know, come back and and get discounts, uh, you know, after they've been a, a loyal uh, customer. I think that that's worked really well for for dispensaries and and um, probably something that they're they're doubling down on now as you know things are getting a little bit a little bit tougher.
2: So you just mentioned um, you know, building that customer loyalty through some of those programs. What are some of the product buying patterns that you noticed during the last downturn in 2020? And were those patterns the same for medical marijuana as recreational? And do you think that those patterns may repeat themselves um, if we face another downturn, or do you expect something different?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. I think. I think that there probably are a little bit different factors at play now i think when people were locked down at home i think a lot of people were, were, were shopping for um you know especially like you know if you're at home with a family and you still want to consume cannabis but you're not able to go out with your friends like they were probably a lot of people were probably consuming more kind of discrete um you know form factors of cannabis probably edibles uh, maybe vape pens those kind of things were probably um, you know, more popular for people that, that weren't going to be out and about, um, now that it's a little different situation where, you know, you could still be going to parties, you might be doing backyard barbecues, you might be out with your friends. Um, I think people are probably shopping for value products, um, and flour is always a a good value, uh, flour, pre-rolls, uh, those kind of products that, you can buy a lot of and you know if you're out in a backyard it doesn't really matter if uh you know people around you can smell your uh what you're smoking that kind of thing so um you know i think that's kind of the, the the difference is you know we're not locked in our homes as much now as we were in the past um and if people are are really concerned about their uh purchasing patterns their their the amount of money they have in their wallet i think that Flour is still always that kind of very value uh, driven uh, product. And I think people, yeah, and, and you know, I mean, if you look at what's going on in, in the mature marijuana markets like Oregon, Washington, Colorado, even places like Michigan, which has matured really quickly, um, flour is really cheap. And, you know, people are buying $80, 90 ounces of flour. So, and and, and, you know, in Colorado, I mean, medical marijuana is even cheaper, uh, medical flower. So yeah, I think, I think a lo- that's, that's what a lot of people are going to be buying right now. If they're, if they're cost conscious, if they're worried about, um, you know, the amount of cash that they have to spend on, on cannabis.
1: I think that brings up a really good point, Bart, um, because the, the, uh, industry as a whole operates on some pretty thin margins. Uh, we've seen the, the price of the, the um, crop come down quite a bit in the past couple of years. So, do you think that these companies are going to overmarket themselves um, in a potential recession scenario? Or is this, you know, the, the key to success is this the change that they need to be implementing now um, to potentially develop or at least enhance those loyal customer relations that they already have. I mean, you know, where I'm at here in Colorado,
3: like it is so competitive that, mm-hmm. you know, that customer loyalty is really important. And, um, i think that you know offering those incentives offering ways to get people to come in um you know like uh, i had a buddy that was visiting here a couple of weeks ago and you know got a a pre-roll for a penny because it was his birthday um you know those kind of like nice little uh, you know bonuses that people are are giving out for um you know any any kind of um uh incentive to get people into your store versus the one down the street i think is is just you know it's it's a it's a smart play um but yeah I, I mean again like going back to the medical marijuana i mean like you know the the local alt weekly here is advertising um for a lot of dispensaries and you know i saw an ad the other day and it was like a a quarter pound of flour selling for $250 if you have a medical card. So I mean, we are talking about really, really low prices right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's, it's great for the consumer, it's tough for the business. Um, you know, these businesses really need to be thinking about their cost of production and making sure that they're as efficient as they possibly can if they want, if they want to survive, uh, you know, when the when the market is is as tough as it is right now.
2: And that was something that you brought up in um, that sort of cost of doing business that you brought up in, in your article Um, at MNC, just a little bit of quick background. We're all former journalists. um, And that helps that experience helps us um, helps our clients learn how Mm -hmm. to take advantage of every uh, media opportunity. So I want to jump into the kind of insider media relations part of this. And we know that the economy whether it's up, whether it's down, whether it's up and down, which it seems to be lately, is always a story. Um, so what kinds of angles do industry reporters like you look for? How can um, medical marijuana companies help um, help you sort of tell these stories and personalize these angles?
3: Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, yeah, a lot of pitches that we get are, we've have this great product and Mm -hmm. we'd like you to write about it and (laughs) that's not really what we do you know we don't (laughs) do product reviews we don't do promotion we don't want to seem promotional you know we're all um you know just uh, adhering to all of the same journalism ethics that you would uh, any mainstream publication or any other um journalism outlet so um what's usually really effective for us um, is if the company can kind of tie their pitch to a trend that's happening. So I don't know, I just, I'm just making this up, but like, you know, if someone says, okay, so we're two years out of the pandemic, people are back out and about it's summertime. um, Maybe they're at a backyard barbecue and we've also just released this, pre-roll product where people can, you know, go out and maybe they're sharing joints again, that mm-hmm. kind of pitch works a little bit better for us. Cause we're like, oh yeah. So, so maybe let's look at the data and see if, you know, pre-roll sales have gone up and if they have gone up or down or whatever they are, you know, whatever's happening with the data with these pre-rolls, then let's talk to your company about how you're trying to kind of capitalize on people being able to be about a little bit more. Um, as the pandemic restrictions left
2: and so, I want to really highlight what you just said that there's a data hook to this um, yeah, that it's not just about a product the product is peripheral to the um the data and the information that may indicate a trend
3: sure exactly and, and that's what we want to write about we want to write about trends we want to write you know uh, pieces that are anchored around you know hard data hard data is hard to come by in the cannabis industry it's there's not a lot of that out there, but there are some good data sources out there. So if we can use that to to highlight a trend, and then we'll you know a lot of times feature uh, certain companies and just you know talk to them anecdotally about what their experience has been and and how they uh, you know are, are are maybe trying to capitalize on consumer behavior or, or you know just how they're doing it right, like what their operational. Uh, adjustments have been based on consumer behavior or something like that.
1: Well, Bart, yesterday I'm sure you saw it. Bank of America came out and said, "Yep, you know we are forecasting a mild recession for the U.S." And you know that's not apocalyptic, um, right. but it's still a concern, especially when you have so many companies operating on smaller margins. So you are going to see companies probably go under, um, and that's just kind of a sad part of it. But that's what happens. But the the point I want to make here is so many companies feel like they can't say anything when things aren't looking good they just want to ride that kind of like high wave when things are really um, looking up for them but when the wave comes crashing down so to speak um, they don't want to say anything so you know in your opinion why is it so important for those people um, to still reach out to you to still try and tell their stories? even though, you know, they're competitors in um, mature markets, as you pointed out, Colorado being as competitive as it is, may look at that as a weakness.
3: Yeah, I mean, when this industry is so new and people are all just kind of making it up as they go, right, they're they're all, you know, trying to figure out how to, um, you know, succeed in a, a, a really new, fast changing market with market conditions changing all the time and you know the economic conditions changing all the time um i mean i think it's just kind of you know up up to the the business owners and their kind of generosity of spirit or whatever it is to share if they've learned anything and made some mistakes maybe um you know but we do, I mean, that's that's a, a lot of what we do uh, with with our reporting and, you know, especially with like the content that we have at our conferences where we try to get people to come up and say, you know, here are the lessons that we've learned when we've made mistakes and that this is how we've, you know, come up with solutions to, to um, you know, get past some of those things. And, and the whole industry benefits when people speak that way, everyone, you know, it, it kind of, know, rising tide, lift all boats, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think I do think that that people talking about their challenges is beneficial to to everyone, because, you know, maybe you've got somebody over here that's experiencing the same exact thing. And they hear from you how you figured out how to to get past that obstacle, then, you know, they're able to do it as well. So, I mean, it's a super competitive industry. And I know that people don't want to, you know, give out proprietary information. And, you know, like I said, I think everyone's kind of figuring it out on their own, but yeah, I think if there is some kind of, you know, camaraderie here among these businesses, they, they really do benefit each other by talking about, you know, the tough times, not just the good times.
2: You mentioned a minute ago, um, one of your least favorite pitch, uh, pitch approaches is, hey, I have this great product, please cover it. Um, and then you mentioned you know that sort of data-driven angle of what would grab your attention. Do you have some other examples on ways that companies can successfully, usefully reach out to you um, and catch your attention? I mean, what, what kind of approach would you say, hey, this is a good way to pitch me?
3: Well, so a lot of our pitches come through PR agencies, right? They're they're usually um, you know someone that's in a, a ancillary business who represents a plant touching company that emails us, right? And the the most effective pitches are when that PR person is in contact or conversation with that business owner, and that business owner says, "This is what we're experiencing as." you know, a, a, an operator, here's a trend. And then this is how we're trying to maybe solve that trend and, uh, you know, that, or whatever that issue is. So, you know, again, like, yeah, just saying like, write about our company. Cause it's cool. Like that doesn't work, mm-hmm. have something that's going on in the industry. Have, have, you know, if, for example, like, um, In Colorado, all of a sudden, the regulations change for edibles, like maybe the packaging that everyone's been using is no longer compliant, maybe the the uh, child proofing that they're using isn't working anymore, whatever it is, and then it's costing these businesses a lot of money to have to reformulate that packaging. Pitch us on that on what's going on and then and then, if you want to say you know here's how our company figured out how to do it and, 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 you know, uh, comply with the new regulations. That's something that, that we'll write about because it's got a news hook, right? It's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a change in, in the law. And then also, you know, we, we, because we're a B2B publication, we're always writing about tips and strategies for business owners. So yeah, so, so that's, that's kind of how it works for us. Like that, those are really effective, um, pitches.
1: So you mentioned email, Bart. Do you get a lot of emails? Do you get inquiries on Twitter? Like, um, you know, if if somebody is wanting to get a hold of you, um, where would they do so?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm on all the social media Mm -hmm. platforms. Um, Just search my name. It's no one else has my name, so it's pretty easy to find me. Um, But yeah, email is great. Email is probably the best, just because it it makes the most sense when we're filtering it through the whole editorial team and making sure that everyone's, um, you know, on board with, with these pitches. But yeah, my email is just my first and my last name with a dot in the middle at
1: mjbizdaily.com.
3: It's
1: pretty good info there. Well, we're, we've had a great conversation so far, and we're kind of moving into the third phase of this. And I think this is where we're going to kind of get into the meat and potatoes of your article here. Um, especially as we talk more about brand resiliency. It's a third part of um, brand protection PR because we know business owners are always on the lookout for ways they can strengthen their business, weather threats. And of course the economy is a pretty big threat right now. Um, and also look at ways to bolster their reputation and bottom line. And that's one of the things that we pride ourselves in helping our clients do and you know, prepare themselves for the unexpected. So that's why your article part was really nice and, and kind of stuck out to us as um, a means to say what's happening now and how can people prepare? And one of the best ways I think you did this is you kind of drew a line and said, OK, we've never done this before. The closest we came was 2020, um, but things may be different with this economic downturn. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, the 2020 situation
3: was actually really I mean, it was horrible for for everyone that was experiencing the pandemic, but mm-hmm. for cannabis businesses, it was actually kind of a, a a a perfect scenario where we were getting stimulus checks from the government. We didn't have anywhere to go. You couldn't travel. You couldn't even go to restaurants, really. So everyone was stuck at home, but you know, cannabis businesses were uh, deemed essential, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show. And so, yeah, so that's what people were spending their money on. Um, this is way different now. I mean, there's no more sp- stimulus money. Um, people still are traveling. I mean, people are tra- probably traveling way more than they were, you know, at the end of 2019, just because they were stuck at home for so long. And yeah, you can go back out and do pretty much everything that you were doing prior to the pandemic. So it, that's what makes it really difficult for cannabis companies right now. Um, and and also if they, you know, were a, a new company in 2020 and they were building their revenue projections and their business model around how people were behaving in 2020. I mean, this is way different, right? So um yeah, it's it's it, for for, you know, the 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 winners and losers in all of this. I mean, the winners in in the cannabis industry are going to be those people that have protected their brand, have, you know, focused on quality, who have built very recognizable companies that um, you know, if you go into a store and you only have a few dollars to spend, you're going to spend it on that brand that you know and trust that is a quality brand. right?
2: Boy, I love how you really broke down the difference there between the, mm-hmm. the you know, last recession, hopefully what will be a, a fairly a mild one coming up. But one of the things that you really dug into in your article was this disparity, this sort of geographic disparity. So you mentioned that the marijuana industry in states like Colorado, Washington, Oregon, and then I think, did you just mention Michigan? Was it Michigan?
3: Yeah, Michigan.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Might have a more difficult time, which seems a little counterintuitive. Um, Talk talk about what your thought process is there.
3: Well, that's, yeah, from the business owner standpoint, I mean, there's just so much competition in, in those those four states in particular. I mean, uh, Oklahoma on the medical marijuana side, the same way. I mean, these states that have just allowed a lot of just more like kind of a free market, you know, they mm-hmm. just, they didn't, they don't have limited licensing. They're um, basically letting anyone in. Um, Oregon's a great example of that. I mean, it's really easy to, to start a cannabis company in Oregon. The cost of of permitting and and all of the regulatory hoops you have to jump through is is, that's all pretty simple compared to a lot of other states um but you know and then and then yeah you compare that to medical marijuana markets where like i don't know uh ohio somewhere like that or pennsylvania for example where it's a lot more more controlled by the state they're only giving out a certain amount of of licenses for retailers and cultivators that kind of artificial control of the of the market means that prices usually do stay pretty high. Um, you know, uh, wholesale prices for for cannabis in markets like that usually are two or three times higher than they are in a place like Colorado. So, so so the operators are able to operate, you know, with a lot uh, kind of more generous margins, and and it's easier to turn a profit in states like that
1: actually makes a ton of sense I I grew up in Vermont and there they have um the state runs their entire liquor store um thing so you know the price in one spot is going to be the price in the other spot as opposed to Colorado where it's kind of like no holds bar on the alcohol side and same thing with marijuana it's it's a really interesting um point there um last question for you and we will get you off the hot seat and back to um writing some incredible articles for MJ Biz Daily. You know, what should business owners and executives be doing now to protect their brands before we plunge into recession? Is it too late to do anything now? Are we too far gone? Um, what's kind of been your experience in talking to people and writing this article? No, I do think that the the companies
3: that are going to survive, if there is a prolonged downturn, hopefully it's not a prolonged downturn, but there those are the companies that are really lean, that are efficient, that... Focus on their cost of production, and try to just get you know all of their costs down, and 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 you know really run as tight a ship as possible. I mean, it's it's really easy to say, but like, that's it. I mean, look at data, look at um, you know ways to uh, maximize efficiencies. I mean, it's just it's really focusing on on, you know, where that market is going to go. I mean, if you're in a state like, um, like Michigan, right, like, for example, I mean, it's, it's a relatively new rec market. But a couple of years ago, I mean, the, the prices for a wholesale pound of marijuana flour were, you know, six, $7,000. Now it's closer to three. But if you built your business around getting six or $7,000 a pound, you're in a lot of trouble. But if you were smart enough to look at what happened in states like Colorado and Oregon and Washington as they matured, you saw where that price was going to end up. and that's how you built your business. You built your business on you know much uh, more conservative projections and I mean that's 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 really how everyone has to think about it. And we have states like New Jersey and New Mexico that are coming online with their rec programs. I'm really hoping that those business owners are, are, are not getting too excited about the prices they're getting when the market opens, because it doesn't stay that way for long.
1: We'll send them this podcast episode.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure article. they know that though. I mean, it's, it's obvious if you're paying attention to what's been going on.
2: Well, I think that's the question. And uh, I really, really hope that people are are reading um, reporting like yours Mm -hmm. to help understand what they're getting into when they get into, uh, you know, a marijuana or medical marijuana business.
3: Yeah, I I don't know. I hope so. I hope you're right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bart Shaneman, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate all of your time, all of your expertise. And um, if you uh, haven't read BART's articles or, or Marijuana uh, Biz Daily, you absolutely need to pick it up and make sure that you're reading it um, you know, every time it comes out because it's just chock full of fantastic information that gives everybody a great perspective on how this industry is is changing and maturing. So thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Thanks.
2: Well, gosh, Jordan, we really picked his brain. I hope, mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope he has like a few minutes to relax this afternoon.
1: Yeah, seriously. Uh, um, and he said he's got to go back to work after this. I, <laughs> it takes a lot of brain power to be on the podcast, so um, hopefully, we didn't take too too much from him. And if he needs a uh, a letter to send to his boss, um, we'll happily sign that off and say, "Yep, Bart <laughs> gave a great interview." And don't dock Give his him pay for the this. afternoon off. <laughs> Um, But really quick, I want to recap Um, one of the big points he he um, pointed out to us in at least when talking about building customer loyalty is when you are going into a tough economic time, um, you want to have a brand out there that people can recognize um, that people understand that people trust so that if they only have a few bucks in their pocket, um, they're going to come to you. So if you haven't done so yet, you may want to put a little bit more time and effort into that so that should that be the case, um, you're not alienating yourself, especially in competitive markets like Colorado, Oregon, and Washington.
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm going to sound like a broken record because the thing that caught my attention was another journalist who covers uh, you know, the cannabis industry talking about, please, please, please do <laughs> not pitch me on your fabulous new product. I am not covering fabulous new products. And I think Bart gave such a fantastic set of examples on what, what will grab his attention, which is what we know is good, good foundational PR. What are the trends? What are the business hooks? Where's the data? Can you back this up? How does this tell a larger story about the Mm -hmm. industry, not about your particular product or your particular business? So that's just good insider media relations.
1: And just to piggy, uh, piggyback off that one bit, um, the part that kind of uh, really stuck out to me when he was talking about that, and we've had a number of journalists come on the Move the Stairs podcast, um, he brought up a point that nobody else has, and that's that you know journalists who write for industry publications are still abiding by and operating by that same kind of rule of ethics in writing mm-hmm. a story that you would see on your nightly newscast. And I just thought that was really cool for him to bring up. All right. Um, Last take home point about building a resilient CBD brand. Uh, I I thought it was great that he kind of broke down and said, listen, A savvy business owner, and many of them are going to look at states like Colorado, Washington, and Oregon, Michigan, that have matured um, on the recreational side, Oklahoma that's matured on the medical side, and say, "Okay, what can we do now?" Especially if they're getting ready to open the doors, right on the doorstep of an economic recession. This is headed. Yeah, absolutely. So it kind of gives you a little bit of a crystal ball um, or a reverse crystal ball to look back in time to see what happened.
2: Yeah. Well, that's a good point. So I want to say thank you again to our special guest, Bart Shaineman from MJ Biz Daily for joining us on the Move the Stairs podcast. And thank you for listening and watching and joining us today. We hope you will join us again soon for the next all new episode of the Move the
0: Stairs podcast. Thank you again for listening to the Move the Stairs podcast. You may be wondering where the phrase Move the Stairs comes from. It's my life's mantra and MNC's commitment to our clients. It's a nod to a defining moment in my television news career. You know, in news, you have to be first with the story, no excuses. And one night I had to get the first TV news interview with a senatorial candidate after he accepted the nomination on stage. I noticed the stairs leading off the stage were taking the candidate directly to my competitors, but what could I do? So I looked around and I noticed the stairs were on wheels. I walked over and bolted the stairs and moved them so the candidate walked off the stage right to my team first. At MNC Communications, our years in the media taught us there's always a way to move the stairs to make the best possible outcome happen for our clients.